Daniel chapter 2. It's in our Old Testament right after Ezekiel. finish up the last bit of Daniel chapter 2 and enter into Daniel chapter 3 this morning. And uh, my hope is that you will come to a better understanding of some overarching themes in Daniel, also some overarching themes in how uh, the world works and the context of what happens when the world continues to look at themselves as kind of the, the end to all purpose and means, and you'll see how that works out in our lives in particular ways through Nebuchadnezzar. And this morning, I won't get all the way to verse 23 of chapter 3, but I want you to see three themes this morning, and they're, they're very closely related as you'll see. Number one, Nebuchadnezzar honored Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar honored Daniel. And number two, when we get into chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar honored himself. Nebuchadnezzar honored himself. And then the middle portion of chapter 3, before we get to the, the fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what led up to it is Nebuchadnezzar honored whistleblowers. Nebuchadnezzar honored whistleblowers. So we have Nebuchadnezzar honored Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar honored himself. And Nebuchadnezzar honored whistleblowers. Now that's important because those are some overarching ideas in, in themes in these, these texts that will help us to see the context of the world we live in. Now Nebuchadnezzar represents something broad and great inside of all of culture to us. It's the sinful man at work for his own purpose and his own good. All right, but that's going to be revealed in some particular things in the way he acts in his day, but we have to look at that and what that means for how we act or the world acts or individuals act in the context of our day. Let's read verse 46 to 49 of chapter 2 and look at this first theme. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and did homage to Daniel, and gave orders to present to him an offering and fragrant incense. The king answered Daniel and said, Surely your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, since you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts, and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel made request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the administration of the province of Babylon, while Daniel was at the king's court. So first of all, we see this theme that Nebuchadnezzar honored Daniel. Now, some people uh, get a little more upset about Daniel kind of accepting these gifts and they get a little more concerned that uh, Daniel took these gifts on and that something was wrong with Daniel. 
And that's not really the context here. The sense of this is understanding what Nebuchadnezzar did. Uh, when a king gives you a gift, you're probably going to accept a gift. Okay, It's not the same issue as the food uh, and, and the issues that Daniel dealt with earlier. Here, what's happening is Daniel had interpreted this dream. He had not only given the interpretation, but the dream itself. And Nebuchadnezzar give, gave all, or heard all of this information that Daniel gave to him. And now, in recognition of that, he's a little bit in awe. He's like, wait a second, nobody else could tell me the dream, and you did that. And so the only way for Nebuchadnezzar to recognize what had happened is to recognize the way the world works around him. And so what he did is to give, quote-unquote, honor to Daniel's God, he gave honor to Daniel. Well, Daniel took the gifts, and he even used this as an opportunity to uh, get further employment for not only himself, himself but his friends, but it was for the good of what would take place in the future. God was going to use them. And here it is, Nebuchadnezzar's mindset. What Nebuchadnezzar sees, he says, whoa, you did this? I'm going to honor you. And then in the midst of it, he, he says to him, surely your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries since you have been able to reveal this mystery. Well, Dan Daniel has put this before the king in such a way that only the king can manifest it in a way that he sees. So what do you do? You give honor to the human in front of you. See, humanity in, in and of itself is the mindset. Now, I want you to think about that just for a minute. We don't have kings quite like Nebuchadnezzar in the same way that they did in that age. We may have rulers like him, but there's been global change over a period of time, and people that are called presidents now are really dictators, you know, all those kinds of things, right? But what's happening here is this, this is all based in one of the same main ideas. Because of sinful human nature, man always looks to humanity at real essence. It's a base value. Now we're going to see in a minute that Nebuchadnezzar expresses that in a different way than we may see today. I would say to you though, there are some cultures that still would do things like this and it's happened in in the last 100 years uh, in our world. But first and foremost, what Nebuchadnezzar does is, is he re reverts back to a, a, a self-centered perspective and saying, well, you know what? I don't really know anything about your God, so I'll just honor you. You're the human in front of me. As if to say in his own mind, well, okay, surely your God is the God of gods and the kings of kings. I don't really know who he is, but I'm just going to give all this praise to you and I'm going to honor you. Well, Daniel at this moment is like, okay, you're not understanding the deal here, really. We'll accept this and let's move forward. We have to see that Daniel's not the one with the problem. It's Nebuchadnezzar. He has the problem. He still not, does not have eyes to see the real issues of his own sinful heart. He didn't ask a question, who is your God and how can I know him? And this is what 
sinful human hearts continue to do left to themselves they continue to put the emphasis on humanity and they're not saying who is your God and how can I know him well secondly let's move into chapter 3 so we have Nebuchadnezzar honored Daniel and then Nebuchadnezzar honored himself verse 1 of chapter 3 Nebuchadnezzar, the king, now think about this, sometime after appointing Daniel as the prefect and giving employment in this kingdom to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in administration of the province, sometime after this, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold the height of which was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. So essentially a 90-foot statue he put out basically in the desert. You know, you come over the sand dune and there's a 90-foot statue of gold. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king went sent word to assemble the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors. Now, think about this for a minute. This means that Daniel is one of some other prefects. All right? You know, there's lots of these prefects and governors. Now, think about what Nebuchadnezzar's doing here. He's kind of trying to corner the market and set himself up in a good situation, you know, This satrap over here was helpful here, so I honored him. And Daniel over here, and I honored him. He's hedging all his bets. All the people that have some good ideas and done some good things for me, I'm putting them into power. The treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. So everybody, now it's a big kingdom, he's got, there's a lot of work to be done, it's natural to have a lot of workers, but he didn't just, like any other king, he didn't just put some, you know, ho-hum person in place, there's a reason that person's there. I mean, think about our government. They put some people in place that we go, why? Well, there's some background reason to that. And it's not always because they're the most competent, right? Okay? So there's a background reason to that. He's got all these people he set up. It says, and he's brought them together for this dedication of this huge 90-foot gold image. It says, then the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces were assembled for the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So here they are. You can imagine now, we're standing around, and there's all these you know, government officials standing there, and there's this huge 90-foot statue of gold, and they're all standing around looking at it. Then the herald, now this is another position, okay, uh, you, you may have read in, in medieval times or, or some other times where the king would have a, a, a crier or a herald who would go through the town and announce he is coming. Okay? 
And so this is something similar to that. The herald loudly proclaimed, To you the command is given, O peoples, nations, and men of every language, that at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music, you are all to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast in the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, at that time, when all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the psaltery, the bagpipe, and all kinds of music, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Now, think about what has taken place in the mind of Nebuchadnezzar to get him to this spot. As one writer put it, the dream was about a head of gold. And he says, from a head in a dream to a 90-foot man in the desert. That's a, that's a pretty big extrapolation, isn't it? A head of gold is what your dream had in it. The head of gold was what was prophesied as your kingdom. And you go from that to you've made a 90-foot statue of gold. Another writer asked the question, why not just make a statue exactly like the one in the dream? Well, my answer to that is it shows you how our sinful hearts actually work. We want to be God. Even when we've been told it's coming to an end, we still want to be God. And we want to think that we're the ones always in charge. Now we need to stop there for a moment and just consider the reality of this truth in our own lives. There are things that are going to happen to us this week or next week and they're going to be worked out in our lives and a natural reaction for us is to try to figure this out on the basis of I've got to be in control of this. Now, let me make sure you're clear on this. I'm not taking away the importance of personal responsibility. There are certain things you all need to do as believing Christians. There are certainly certain things you all need to do. But every person has responsibility to act and react and deal with matters in their life. I'm not talking about personal responsibility here. I'm talking about the mindset behind that responsibility. When you work that responsibility out, are you doing it in a way that you are considering the God of all creation is in control and sovereign over all of these things and we need to bow to Him first and foremost or are you working it out basically saying, I got my plan. Regardless of even who this God of Daniel may be. Surely he's the God of gods and the kings of kings. 
He told you your kingdom's coming to an end. How do you respond to that? Let me make a 90-foot statue to myself. We have to consider that basically there's an underlying principle here for Nebuchadnezzar honoring himself. He did this statue in gold, but he did it so that he would be worshipped. He was making himself God. And we need, we need to really pause and think about that. Because even for us, although we're not kings per se or rulers of nations or anything like that, uh, we are in a sense uh, working in our own life and domain, right? From the very beginning of the making of this statue, this goes completely against the first commandment. And worked out second, third, and fourth commandments. Nebuchadnezzar has said, you know what? I will be worshipped first and foremost. This is the reality of sin worked out in humanity. Even you and I in our own smaller domain can put ourselves up on a pedestal in our own mind to where in a sense we're going to worship ourselves. You may not build a 90-foot statue, but the problem today is the issue of ideas. Modern atheists aren't necessarily building 90-foot statues to themselves. But in a way, what they're saying is, these ideas that we have, we're building what you worship on our own ideas. Whatever atheistic mindset you may have read or individual you may have read or you may have heard of, you have to think about what's happening. They're saying, my ideas are my God. Now, we certainly can say, well, that's wrong. What's wrong with them? I'm also saying to us, we can do the same thing. We can build ourselves up and say, my ideas are my God. Look at my ideas. And we're going to notice that Daniel's perspective is quite different. Daniel's always going back to the Lord. Whether it's in prayer or the recognition of his word, he's always going back to the Lord. And it's the Lord's ideas Daniel's never making a claim that he's the ultimate, even in thinking. But here Nebuchadnezzar is saying, you know what? Daniel, I gave you your little honor over here, and now I'm going to honor myself. He went from gold to God. 
we have to notice he just was told of the interpretation of a dream where the statue was completely You know what the statue, in a sense, represents? If I build myself big enough, maybe it won't happen. See? This is the pride of life. This is the pride of humanity. This is the pride that we saw at the Tower of Babel. And God showed very quickly... He could disperse humanity in a moment's notice. We've started becoming more and more aware of weather and especially certain types of weather. I'm amazed now with hurricanes. Any place that has these hurricanes, if people can figure out a way to get out, if they've been through one before... The interstates are full. Why? Because the power of God is so, I don't know any other word, but immense. That he can stir a storm that scatters the peoples of the earth. And yet Nebuchadnezzar thinks he can build a statue big enough to represent that he will withstand against the very prophecy and coming providence of God. This is why self-centeredness in our own humanity is so deadly. We build up an image that's basically only a mirage. As one writer said, Dagon's beware. God's already proven earlier in the scripture. He can take down any stone idol. This gold one's not going to be much use Just with the very turn-up of heat, he could melt it in a moment's notice. Global warming could do a real serious damage to Nebuchadnezzar's statue. Nebuchadnezzar failed to notice the ruins of Babel nearby, his kingdom replaced by three others, And the whole stack of empires obliterated by the stone. The coming stone, the stone not made of hands, the stone the builders rejected, the chief cornerstone, the Lord Jesus Christ, puts all those kingdoms, not only in the past, but it puts them in the ground. When we see the reality of Nebuchadnezzar's work, we have to consider three final thoughts. Next week, Lord willing, or excuse me, the week after that, Lord willing, 
I'll deal with Nebuchadnezzar honored whistleblowers. But I want us to see from these two the context and some observation. Number one, the results of and from the sinful nature never change. The results of and from the sinful nature never change. Firstly, man returns to himself. That's a result. Man always returns to himself. Listen to the modern atheist and agnostic. They're always turning to humanity. The answers are all found in human ideas. We have to make the world a better place. If we can all get together and get on the same page, we will do it. Now, they may not be doing it with a particular one leader or two leaders or uh, three or four or ever how many, but it's with the leadership of ideas that they're returning to self. John Owen put it this way. He says, as a traveler meeting with a storm turns out of his way for shelter, but yet does not give over his journey. So soon as the storm is over, he begins to wear out that terror that was upon him And he returns to his way again. I've driven in some terrible, terrible storms, rainstorms. Just terrible rainstorms. I've even gotten off of the interstate in a a couple of those because they were just so bad. I was almost just terrorized. Did I give up my journey? As soon as the storm passed by, I got right back on the road. Now, in human idea or human ideas and thinking, we would say, well, that's just picking yourself up by your bootstraps and getting her done. Okay, fine, fair enough. But you know what? The scripture is telling us about our own sin nature. Your bootstraps. And your boots are not steady enough to pick you back up from your sin against God. There is nothing you and I can do to save ourselves. So anytime there's a great terror or some awful happening in your life, fine, fair enough, you have to move on from it, I get it. But if your solution to that is, is, well, I'll deal with it myself and pick myself up and I'll get through it, then you've missed the point of the trial that was brought your way. God uses trial in our lives to humble us. That we would recognize we cannot return to ourselves. Nebuchadnezzar saw the trial put right in his face and what does he do? Fine, Daniel, I'll honor you. And oh, by the way, here's a 90-foot statue to show you I'm still God. If you get up from your bootstraps and your personal responsibility, in whatever situation it may be, and you turn and you go your way and you never acknowledge the God of all creation has put you on this earth and put you in this place and brought you to this very time and space, and you don't bow before Him, seeking his wisdom and his truth, 
then you're no better than Nebuchadnezzar. You might as well have put together a 90-foot statue. The results of and from the sinful nature never change. Man returns to himself. Secondly, under that, man thinks even more of himself. Isn't it amazing? Nebuchadnezzar thinks more of himself after the interpretation of the dream than he even did before. He's gathered all these people to worship at his statue and commanded, when you hear all these instruments played and the call is made, you bow down and you worship. Oh, and by the way, if you don't, I'll throw you in the furnace of fire. Happy worshiping. This is the way humanity thinks. This is the way the sinful nature thinks left to itself. It doesn't just return to itself, it thinks even more of itself. And thirdly, man enlargens himself. Matthew Henry said, speaking of the statue, it exceeded the ordinary statue of a man 15 times, as if its being monstrous would make amends for its being lifeless. I'll build a lifeless, huge statue. And I make up for the fact that it's lifeless. It has eyes, but it cannot see. Ears, but it cannot hear. A mouth, but it cannot speak. I'll make up for all of that in simple size. If I make it big enough, it will be true. We can enlarge in ourselves enough to be as or even close to as immense as the God of all creation. He is. He is. That's why I told Moses, you tell them, I am sent you. It's, a, it's an amazing thing to think about who this God is. Not what he was or what he could be. No, he is. He just is the God of all creation. He is so immense, we cannot enlarge in ourselves to be even in the same ballpark with him. He just is. Second observation that we need to consider, firstly, was the results of and from the sinful nature never change. Secondly, Governments will tolerate religion as long as the government is that religion. Governments will tolerate religion as long as the government is that religion. I can't remember if I read this or if I was listening to something with R.C. Sproul one time. It's been years ago. But R.C. Sproul asked Francis Schaeffer, some of you may know who Francis Schaeffer is, is, an apologist, worldview, a uh, man who passed away some years ago. He asked Francis Schaeffer, he said, what is the greatest danger facing the church? And Schaeffer, his reply was statism, statism. Sproul said statism 
a philosophy or worldview, a decline from statehood to statism happens when the government is perceived as or claims to be the ultimate reality. This reality then replaces God as that upon which human existence depends. We're living in a world today and even in our own nation today where we have to recognize there has been a shift, especially in our own nation. It started decades ago. Decades. But the government has become the God of many people, even Christians. Lots of Christians today think if they can get the right government, they'll get their way. Government is not our God. Government is that which God has authority over. Government is that which God gives to the nations. But we must recognize that this is very real and applicable. Our government may not be building a 90-foot statue. But our government is monstrous. We must be prepared to think rightly about the government. It's not our God. It's not our Savior. We do not worship the government. We do not hope that one president will make us better Christians. That's not to say that a president is not useful. It's not to say that we shouldn't vote. We should vote. You ought to make every effort to vote, and you vote according to Christian principles. If you're a Christian, look at the Scripture and vote according to the Scripture. Even if there's some pagan guy, some pagan guy who is not a Christian, but he's got some decent principles that will help our country keep from spending $800 trillion on finding out if the bathwater's dirty. Don't we already know that it is? You vote. But that's not the whole essence of what it means to follow God is to hope for a government that changes everything for us. We must be prepared to suffer under some governments. I can't take Christianity to China and say, you can only be a Christian if you'll overthrow China. Our hope will be not that Daniel could change Nebuchadnezzar, but that God would change Nebuchadnezzar. We practically live these things out understanding that our government will not tolerate Christianity, especially nowadays because our government is not Christian. We've seen this more and more and more. They absolutely despise the identification of Christian principles. People hate the fact that Roe v. Wade was turned over, that millions of babies didn't get slaughtered. How could you hate that? 
If you're a moral society, where is Sam Harris's morality now? For these unborn children. We must never view our government as though our human existence depends upon it. Government is a tool. It may be a tool to glorify God, but there are times when there will be those in charge who do not desire to glorify God. We are reliant upon God-changing hearts. This is why we need revival. True, genuine revival where souls would be changed across this nation. That will impact a culture. That will impact a government. That will impact a structure. That kind of thinking can only come through biblically biblically minded Christians, biblically minded churches, functioning in the real world, desiring to live like Christians according to God's word. goes back to some Bible study, some of that we were talking about this morning, right? One writer said, true, rulers are raised up by God. Not true, rulers raised up by God are God. You may have a ruler that's raised up by God, but that doesn't mean he's God. God may be using that ruler, but he's not God. And anytime the rulers take the place of God and say, we are the God, you have to know, it ain't going to go well. God will not bless a nation who thinks it is more sovereign than God himself. He just won't do it. He will not do it. Eventually, that nation will come to ruin. And I just give you Rome for case in point. They took over everything onto the map nobody thought Rome could end thirdly and lastly since the fall false worship travels down the same road since the fall false worship travels down the same road It's like John Calvin said, they traffic in the name of God, but at the same time, change their deities a hundred times a day. If you read about cultures over a period of time, they had many gods. And why did they have many different gods? Not many as in small, well, they were small. They were M-I-N-I, but many as in M-A-N-Y. Lots of gods. Why did they have lots of them? They had lots of them because they were always hedging their bet with each little deity. If it didn't work out with this one, I could get it from this one. Or sometimes they would even give them specific names that they were the god or goddess of this or that or the other. How many times... Has humanity gone through the same cycle over and over and over again? 
We're supposed to be an evolving species. We've evolved all right. With all of the technology, all of the many blessings that God has given the minds of men over the ages, most, if not all, of that technology, through some means, has been used for something perverse along the way. Doesn't mean all the technology is bad. But how is it that in humanity we've been able to pervert good things? It's because of the sin nature. It's because of false worship. We take every one of these good things and we find a way to worship humanity. Worship ourselves. Tell ourselves how great we are. This is a reason that governments get bigger and bigger and bigger is because ultimately we're saying men are the ones to solve all the problems of the world. Uh, when I use the word men, I mean that. I'm including you ladies too. I want y'all to not feel left out. I want y'all to be included. Y'all, y'all need to be included in all this sin. So y'all don't get... I, I'm, I love you ladies enough to include y'all. We have to recognize this is a real world reality we're living in. Nebuchadnezzar is not just some myth or story from the past that we just use it as some myth. No, it's telling us this is actually what happened in history and it can be worked out and understood why it happened in history and then it can be pulled forward so that we understand these mindsets are still here today. We have to make very clear just as Nebuchadnezzar staged all of this worship of this statue with pomp and circumstance he had all these decorated figures to come and be there for its dedication and he brought about this dignified way to worship Himself as the ruler. This is not only what government leaders will do left to themselves, but it's what we do in our own hearts left to ourselves. Nebuchadnezzar is a reality of who we are as humans. Our sinful natures will always love ourselves more than we love anything else. This is why Jesus summed up the Ten Commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Can you love your neighbor as yourself? With all of your own willpower? Putting God aside, no work of the Holy Spirit, you'll always be perfect in loving your neighbor as yourself. Is it even possible?
think we know the answer to this question. It's not possible. It's not real. It's not actual. It's not. We see it in our children. Their will to want it their way. We just witnessed it, didn't we? Embarrass. Every one of us has been in those situations. If you've got a child, you've been there. I've got four and all four of them. All four of them showed that will. Why did they show it? Because they got their sin nature from their daddy. Well, and their mother, but I won't talk about that. <laughs> shh, shh, shh. I didn't say that out loud. You see, though, it's right there before us. And the world keeps trying to tell us we can medicate it or we can governmentalize it and figure it all out. But it doesn't change our sin nature. And we are in need of someone to deal with who we are. And the only one who can do that is the Lord Jesus by the power of His Spirit. When you come to the table this morning, be thankful. You're celebrating an offering that has already been made and has already done the work. No need to keep following down the road of Nebuchadnezzar. Turn to the God who does what no one else can do. He can change the actual minds and hearts of sinners. And Nebuchadnezzar could never do that. The following sermon, we'll see it, right? Many obeyed out of fear. And some disobeyed because they knew the God who created the heaven and the earth. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you're merciful to us in many, many ways. And one of those, and the greatest of those, is through your Son, the Lord Jesus. We have been sinners from our conception in our mother's wombs. We have fought against this truth, and there have been many days when we have hated you. If we have hearts of stone, Lord, soften them and turn them to hearts of flesh that we would love and know you and glory in you alone. For those who are believers, if our hearts of flesh have been in struggle and distress and even where we've fallen into Sins of different kinds. Turn our hearts to repentance. Lord, don't make, don't let us make our personal responsibility an excuse to worship ourselves. 
We ask this in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen.